This is Andrew Kahn for MLive.com on the Michigan Stadium field after Michigan improved to 9-0 and coming off a bye and pummeling Purdue 41-13. to uh, Just my top takeaway from this game, that's the most points a team has scored against Michigan. If you, you watched this game, maybe you were at this game, did it feel like a good offensive performance from Purdue? Uh, I mean, they don't score a touchdown until, you know, the final seconds on a fourth down play uh, and, you know, didn't really move the ball very well all night. A couple of field goals for, for the other points there. And I, I, I guess the point is it speaks to just how dominant Michigan's defense has been all season. And, you know, tonight was really no different. And Blake Corn gets three rushing touchdowns. And, you know, Michigan, amid all the sign stealing drama, uh, handles business on the field yet again. Uh, schedule about to step up in intensity next week, starting with the game at uh, Penn State that we've been waiting for for a long time. But, uh, you know, just another very comfortable win for Michigan here on Saturday night in Ann Arbor. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. And I'm Ryan Zook. The Michigan football team did on Saturday night what it's done all season, dominate. The Wolverines crush Purdue to improve to 9-0 and set up, finally, a matchup with a formidable opponent. We recap Michigan's performance, bring you the latest in the NCAA investigation into the program, and preview the upcoming game with Penn State on Wolverine Confidential. All right, Ryan, good to be with you here uh, Monday morning, November 6th. Aaron is not with us as he is chasing down leads on the, you know, latest twists and turns in this sign-stealing saga. Uh, so, yeah, stay tuned to coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines to see what he finds out. Uh, and, you know, read, obviously, what we've written about the Purdue game. And we'll be writing about Jim Harbaugh's press conference today uh, at Schembechler Hall at noon. Uh, all right, Ryan, well... Michigan won in dominating fashion, 41-13. Another ho-hum victory. Some are calling them the most boring team in the country, on the field at least. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What did, what did you make of this game? There was there was a lot of good, maybe some concerns we can get into, but 41-13 uh, game, what stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing for me was like, all right, it's, it's it's a week off. They had a lot of momentum. They were coming off a 49 to nothing win over their in-state rival, and out of the gates, there, there, there really was no rust. I mean, defensively, they forced a, a couple quick punts, and on their first two drives, they went over 65 yards on on both of them and made it look really easy and got in the end zone to take a quick 14 nothing lead, up 17 to nothing in, in the first quarter, uh, only and held Purdue to to 20 something yards in the first quarter. It's like, all right, I mean, this is this could be a 50 to nothing something game, and then. All of a sudden, a couple miscues in the second quarter leads to a couple Purdue field goals, and it's like, well, I mean, is uh, maybe this could be a close game? And then, yeah, I mean, I, just like they have all season, they've dominated the third quarter and put the game out of reach. And yeah, I mean, there was a touchdown last thirty seconds to make the score a little bit closer than the the game actually was. And I know some people were probably. Uh, really uh, upset about that touchdown for other reasons. But yeah, I mean, it was still a, a dominating effort. They've still not allowed a point in the in the third quarter this year. And if I'm mistaken, 
I don't think Penn State has either. Uh, I'll be looking into that as we kind of get into this, you know, preview um, for for this coming Saturday's game. But it's just it's just incredible how how great that you know both teams have been. Um, yeah, coming out coming out of the gate in the uh, in the second half. Um, yeah, the 13 points Purdue scored, and Purdue's head coach pointed this out. He wasn't bragging about it. He was just when he was asked about his team's offensive struggles, he's like, "Well, 13 points is that's the most Michigan's given up this season, isn't it?" And he was right. I don't know. Did it did it feel like Purdue's offense was effective to you in any way? No, not really. Because both, the, I mean, their their first two field goals, they were gifted really good field position. Like that, that fourth and one call to me was the uh, was kind of strange. I mean, you are such a good running back in Blake Corum, and when you're uh, and JJ's under center, plenty of times where they can work play action too. So it just seemed unnecessary to line up and shotgun there. The offensive line in the middle got a good push, but there was just too much time for the Purdue front to, to kind of get in the backfield and, and bring down Kalel Mulling. So I, I didn't love that play, and it, and it, it did. Uh, I mean, if Purdue scores a touchdown there, then we're it's really a a, a game. Um, but the yeah, the Michigan defense made stands when they needed to, and yeah, I mean Purdue's best drive was that drive late in the fourth quarter when the game was already way out of reach. So. Um, no, I, I thought it was a fantastic effort from the defense and, uh, it really, and I mean, the front only had w- one sack, but they were getting pressure. It seemed like all the time on, on the Purdue quarterback, uh, Will Johnson had another interception should have had two, dropped one in the end zone. It was like, really, that went right through his hands. But I mean, there was a, uh, yeah, a lot of good play there from, from the defense. Yeah. Purdue gets a touchdown with 18 seconds left on a, on a fourth down play. And yeah, the two field goals came when Purdue got the ball to at Michigan's 34-yard line uh, due to a muff punt and then the the turnover on downs that, that Ryan mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, if there's concerns from this game, it's twofold. Uh, I'll start with the smaller one, special teams. It has not been great for Michigan this year. You know, we wondered how it'd be with a new kicker and punter replacing, you know, the veteran guys they had, NFL guys they had at those positions last year. Not really a major problem. They score so many touchdowns that the field goals haven't been a problem. They punt so infrequently that that hasn't been really uh, an issue. But the punt returns, the the kick return, it's, it, there hasn't been, they haven't gotten much of a spark. And they've actually had uh, several negative plays now. And and Saturday night was the latest one, the, the muff punt that led, that led to Purdue points. Yeah, I mean, on that one, I, I think it's not as egregious as actually like the returner actually like dropping or like not catching the ball or something like that. I mean, that's kind of a freaky play with such a poor punt, but you do have to have better communication on that. And yeah, it doesn't matter how you muff the punt. If a muff punt is a muff punt in a a close game against Penn state, that could sway things and determine the outcome of the game. So yeah, you're right. There's been, uh, yeah, it seems like every time, I mean, their defense is forcing so many punts. So I guess, I mean, they're getting more opportunities to, to have these returns, but I mean, Michigan continues to rotate guys back there too. On on Saturday, I think it was Jake Thaw mostly in um, returning returning punts. So it's like they haven't really settled on a guy yet, and it's probably because they they are really not content or happy with with how things have gone. So I mean, Jake Thaw actually I think had a, a decent return or two on. Uh, he had three for thirty eight on uh, on Saturday, and Tyler Morris had one for one yard. So. Uh, he did have a long of 32, Jake Thaw did. So that was his best of the year. But yeah, overall, you, you can't be turning the ball over on on uh, on special teams in, in close games. And the other more pressing concern, because again, this has been you know kind of a theme all season, but really came 
to light on Saturday night is the rushing game. Blake Corum, 15 rushes, 44 yards. Donovan Edwards, 8 rushes, 21 yards. Um, you know, the, the overall numbers were not good. And if you take away a, you know, non-traditional running play, sort of a jet sweep, little quick pitch to a wide receiver, Samaj Morgan, who took it 44 yards for a touchdown. I mean, then we're at, you know, well under, you know, 100 yards, uh, looking at like 70 something, I think, <laughs> you know, on 33 carries. That's really bad. Uh, how do you how do you explain this? It really is baffling to me. It's and it's a complete opposite of of last season when Michigan was using their successful run game to set up the pass, and now it's like they're, I mean, there's being they're successful in the pass game, and you would think that would open up the run game a little bit, and it just it, it just hasn't. And it's when Michigan faces a good team like they will on Saturday, you wonder how that might factor into the game. I mean, you don't want. J.J. McCarthy dropping back 50 times against Penn State because, as we saw with uh, the Nittany Lions defense did on Saturday against Maryland, they absolutely ate up Talia Tagovailoa, and you, you you don't want that if you're mission. You need to have a little bit of a run game, control the clock a little bit, and we just haven't seen that, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what is the issue, but they, they say they've made strides in this area and they're worked on working at it and they're not happy with it. But like we, we really just haven't seen any consistent improvement from the beginning of the year. You know, the, the backs are the same, but Coram is, you know, coming off a major injury. Edwards is, you know, we've talked about his struggles and, you know, maybe pointed to the fact that his success came when he was the guy and, you know, getting 15, 20 carries a game. Uh, and then the offensive line, there are key spots that are different. I mean, they could keep talking about how they, you know, hit hit a home run in the transfer portal at at the center position for the second year in a row, but it's possible that this year's guy isn't quite as good as last year's guy. Um, you know, same with a couple of the other spots that are that are different. So uh, I don't know. They might be better suited for pass protection. Um, and in the end, I think this is a good thing for Michigan to be a little more um, of a passing team. I think it'll serve them well as they try to, you know, actually win a playoff game this year, maybe, you know, get to a national championship. Um, and, you know, you do have, but, but it is, it's just, it's more interesting. It obviously hasn't affected them in any game. They've still won them all by 24 points at least. And I'm, I, it's not to say that I don't think Corum and, and Edwards are explosive backs anymore. It's just, but they're not getting to the second level as much as they were last year and, and being able to make guys miss in the open field. It's too many guys, defenders around them. So they're having just kind of lower their head and trying to get that extra one or two yards, not able to kind of shimmy shake and get beat a guy to, to create a, a huge opening and, and bust off a, a long run. That just hasn't really been the case, which is, to me is, is the most surprising part because it seemed like last year there was at least one, two, three runs every game where one of them would, would find a hole and, and break off a long run. They're, they're still kind of searching for that uh, in, in, in this season. Take away Morgan's run. They did not have a run of, of at least, um, you know, 15 yards um, at all in Saturday night's game. Um, you know, as far as long, uh, you know, rushing plays this season, you know, Michigan is, let's look at, let's look at 20 yard rushes even. Um, you know, Michigan ranks 64th in the country. They have 11 of those. Um, you know, then you double it up 40 yard rushes. They're down 47th. They only have three of those. It's like they were, they were more near the top of the country last year and those big, big runs. 
and they, it just it just hasn't been the case this year. No, no. And I guess with, with Blake too, I mean, some of his average is hurt by getting all these goal line carries, and he is making the most of them. I mean, what is he up to now? Sixteen touchdowns. I mean, that's that that you love that production, but yeah, when when you're deep in your own territory or just not in the goal line situation, you would like those explosive plays in the run game, and and that has not happened. Yes, extending his lead, uh, sixteen t- rush, rushing touchdowns, two more than than the next guy. But um, yeah, he's not he's not being discussed in the Heisman conversation at all because um, yeah, he just doesn't have those the overall numbers that that some people expected. Uh, I don't know. To me, this is enough talk about the Purdue game itself. Unless there's something else you wanted to to hit on. To me, I, I thought the most interesting thing going through the Pro Football Focus grades yesterday was the the number one player on missions offense highest rated was jj mccarthy and i mean he threw for a, a season high 335 yards which is which is a good sign and 24 of 36 or 37 passing which isn't bad but to me it, it just seemed like he was a little bit off on on saturday as well and i mean for a stat line like that and to, and to be off it isn't isn't bad but there just seemed like some throws that he either had a little bit too much steam on them or uh, was a little bit not in sync with the receivers or was just off the mark a little bit. And he even said after the game that he wanted a few throws back, but still ha- received a really high grade from, uh, from PFF and which is kind of surprising because I thought Roman Wilson had an outstanding game. I mean, he was open. It seemed like all game has had set career highs and in, in catches and receiving yards. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Um, and, yeah, it's he seems like he's definitely their their go to target this season, and and he showed it on Saturday. No, trust your eyes, Ryan Zook. I don't know PFF, RZ RZF. Uh, <laughs> I, that's what I want to hear from. Um, all right, yeah. So you know, after the game, I know Jim Harbaugh was asked a little bit about what's going on with the NCAA investigation. Certainly, um, Purdue head coach Ryan Walters was as well. I mean, I. You know, I'm just calling a spade a spade, really. You know, in terms of advantages or disadvantages, it's just stating the, what happened. You know what I mean? You know, usually when you tell the truth, you're like you know, it's not like a big deal. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say that I, um, I was made breakfast Friday morning and got a cup of coffee and turned on Sports Center and I was on the ticker. That was uh, I was like, oh, okay, moment. Um, but again, I don't, I don't, I'm not shy about speaking truth, and I wouldn't, if I had to do it over again, I'd say the same thing. And there's, there's kind of even more information coming out this morning. Uh, where, where do things stand right now with, you know, this potential invest, well, this investigation that's happening and potential action from the Big Ten? At this point, it seems like it very unlikely that Michigan would be punished this year by the NCAA, and I, I don't foresee that investigation wrapping up anytime soon. But as we've mentioned, that the Big Ten has has some authority to take more immediate action, and that is what the ADs and coaches from from other schools in the Big Ten are are really pushing for. And Michigan has is now on the kind of pushing back against that and on the offensive here to try and avoid any penalties at least for this season. Um, and we saw there was a report from Pete Thamel of ESPN, who's had a lot of reports during this whole unveiling or this whole news investigation, that it's uh, unlikely that there'll be any punishment within the next 48 hours here. Um, And it seems to me that the most likely 
punishment would only be like a, a fine and a, a two-game suspension for, for Harbaugh because that would be the most that the Big Ten could levy unless they want to go through a more uh, in-depth process in depth process, and, and they would have to get approval from the Big Ten's joint group executive committee. And then Michigan could kind of appeal that too. So it sounds like the Big Ten wants more severe punishment, but um, it's uh, yeah, it will be a fascinating week for sure because we should hear some sort of developments in this whole uh, uh, investigation as far as punishment is concerned. You can read on mlive.com slash Wolverines, uh, you know, the entire email that Santa Ono, the Michigan president, uh, sent to Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, um, basically telling him what we kind of thought we, we opined on this podcast last time we talked that if you know the NCAA investigation is going to take a long time, you know, that's how it's been in the past for other teams. Why would you want to be treated any differently when it's now suddenly not going to work in your favor to be punished for, for swift punishment? You're going to push back on that. And that's basically what Santono said. Let's gather evidence. Let's let the NCAA investigation run its course. And yeah, you don't really have the jurisdiction to just come in and, and, you know, levy, uh, you know, punishment against, against us before anything is all said and done. And I don't think Michigan's going to do the same thing it did with the investigation earlier this season and self-impose any, um, you know, suspensions against their head coach or anything like that. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I just, I think they're going to, you know, at this point, dig their heels in and, um, you know, push back on, on any sort of, you know, potential punishment. Right. Yeah. You, you summarized that well, because it was a, a fairly long letter that, that president Ono sent uh, to Tony Petiti and it, yeah, they, they want due process to play out. And, and of course they're going to want that because they know how long the NCAA takes with their investigations and they know how good this, this Michigan team is and how they have a really good chance at, at, going uh, pretty deep this year and, and winning uh, some important games in, in December and possibly January. So it, it, it is fascinating because, yeah, it is kind of an unprecedented move for the Big Ten to kind of levy any punishment for an NCAA investigation. But they, they do have the authority to do that through the, the sportsmanship policy. But that, that again, would be kind of an, an unprecedented move. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, this week, I mean, First ranked opponent, and with all this uh, this potential uh, news coming out on the investigation, it should be a, a fascinating week for Michigan football. So Michigan, you know, we know they haven't played a team ranked in the top twenty-five, but you know there are computers out there that rank all the teams in college football, and you know the the two major ones are ESPN publishes it's called S and P SP Plus uh, rankings, and uh, there's also FEI ratings uh, you can find as well online that they both try to do similar things, you know, analyze teams kind of on a, not just per game, but sort of per possession, per play basis, factoring in for competition, you know, eliminating garbage time, things like that. And, you know, basically they both find that the best team Michigan's played so far is right around the 50th team, best team in the country. Now on SP plus, it's Minnesota ranked 51st. They have Rutgers at 53. Uh, at FEI, it's Rutgers at 46. Uh, Minnesota at 52. But either way, what this tells us is Penn State is a major jump in competition. They are they are five in one of those rankings, four in another. If you want more traditional rankings, uh, they're ninth in the latest AP poll. This is this is a big jump. We've been talking about this for months on this podcast. This final stretch of games, and here it is: Michigan, Penn State. Uh, yeah, what's kind of, we'll, we'll talk about it later in the week, but what's kind of your early uh, 
assessment of, of this matchup. If you asked me before this past week, I mean, I, I still would think that that Michigan had a, a major advantage going on the road. But uh, I mean, this this Penn State defense is legit, and if they can create some turnovers and get and get some short fields for themselves, I mean, things could maybe. Uh, I think them being at home will will play a little bit of a factor. So I I still like Michigan. I they deserve to be favored in this game, and I I give them probably a. 70 to 75 percent chance of winning but there's this is this will definitely be a test i mean they're, they're offensively they where we just talked about big playability for the missions running game i really penn state doesn't have that many explosive players on offense but yeah that the, the defense is legit and the penn state team can still score points i mean they just put up i think 50 on maryland this past week so yeah 51 to 15 against maryland on the road um, so we'll, we'll see, but it, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm excited for this game. It's that we haven't really been able to get excited for many matchups this year because we've kind of gone into every game knowing that Michigan will probably come out on top, but this game there, it's, there's a little bit more uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, in an age where, you know, you kind of want to get to 400 yards offensively to feel you had a good game. Uh, Michigan's allowing 231 per game first in the country and Penn state's just behind them at 234. Michigan first in the country in points allowed. Uh, Penn State just behind them third in that category with Ohio State in between them. So, yes, uh, I, I haven't seen the total yet for this game, but I'm sure it's, you know, relatively low um, for, you know, a top 10 matchup. And, you know, Michigan's obviously had no problem scoring points, but I would think the thought is that'd be a little more difficult uh, on Saturday. No, yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Maryland turned the ball over four times on, on Saturday. They're, I mean, Tiger Valoa was sacked a bunch of times, so it's uh, yeah, that's it, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I definitely do not expect a high scoring game whatsoever. It's what we've been waiting for 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 so long. Um, I just I find it hard to even literally paid to cover the team and like play after play. It's like you're just not you don't have that juice. You don't have that. There's, there's no drama in any of these <laughs> games as far as what's going to happen. And, no, uh, we'll see if that changes. And especially when there's been four night games, it's like, oh, it's already you're even more sleep, uh, more sleepy when, <laughs> when it's like, all right, game. a noon game, a, a top uh, top 15 matchup. All right, let's go. Let's do this thing. Do we have uh, time yet for the Maryland game or should that come today? That should come today. I have I, I'm expecting three yeah. thirty, but I, I don't think we yeah. have official word yet, but that should come today. yet. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty more coverage of that on a uh, upcoming podcast as well as on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Uh, but I do want to say the men's and women's basketball teams uh, open their season for real uh, in these coming days. The women open tonight against Purdue for Fort Wayne. Uh, men's basketball also begins in, across the country today, but Michigan doesn't play until tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday, they host UNC Asheville, um, an NCAA tournament team from last season. Um, you know, this their non-conference schedule, even the, you know, the names that the 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 schools that aren't brand names, household names, um, are still in some cases good. They won their you know conference championships last season, um, so they'll be maybe more of a test than you'd you'd think just at first glance. Um, but yeah, the men, uh, you know, took care of business in their exhibition. I mean, they were up fifty-five points at at one point. Uh, really good outside shooting uh transition offense you know turning defense into easy baskets really it was all you could ask for and uh you know they're relatively healthy um they've got as far as 
what we might have thought given given what happened in the game, I guess is what I mean to say. Terrace Reed had to come out. Doug McDaniel had to come out at one point, but both of them should be okay for tomorrow night. Same with uh, Yusuf Kayat should be available to go. Jace Howard still out. Jalen Llewellyn, I would imagine, still out. And head coach Jawan Howard, probably still out. Right. Yeah. What's the latest on him? Yeah, he was in the building, um, but we don't really know where. I would guess somewhere in the you know, bowels of the arena, if you will, I would guess in his <laughs> office or the locker room or something. There's nowhere to hide. A Connor Stallion situation in, in inside Chrysler Center. <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder when you're 6'10 and there's no <laughs> boxes, there's no crowded sidelines. You know, if he was anywhere in the, in the stands or, you know, even the, the boxes, the suites at Michigan are, um, you know, kind of open air exposed. So, uh, yeah, it seems like he was probably in, you know, in the in more of the locker room area. Uh, you know, what kind of season will it be for Michigan? We shall see. I think I like what I'm hearing from them. They realize that the whole has to be better than the sum of the parts. It was the exact opposite last year. They have two, you know, top 15 NBA draft picks and they don't make the NCAA tournament. This year, they think that maybe they don't have the same individual talent, but they can be better collectively. I keep I keep thinking these these two schools of thought. You, you didn't make the tournament. You weren't that good. And then you lost a lot from that team. Oh my gosh, you're going to be even worse. Well, part of me is like, well, when you're not that good, maybe roster turnover isn't the worst thing in the world. So uh, yeah, if these veterans can come in and they can mesh um, and they can understand that they have to, they have to play together. They have to get, they can't, they're not going to win games with, you know, one-on-one play. Um, I think this can be, they can, they can maybe surprise some people. We're, we're going to put you on the spot here in a little uh, prediction. What, what would you say the percentage is for, for Michigan to make the NCAA tournament this year? I'll put it at 51 because I think they're going to make it. I think I think they're looking at maybe like a play-in game type situation. But, you know, they weren't so far off last year that, you know, they could swing a couple of those games in their favor. Um, you know, I think I think they have enough to, to get in. Uh, but I think it'll be they'll be in a very similar spot in March that they were last year, you know, a few games left. Ah, they probably need to win one or three to be okay. Two or three to feel good, you know, win a game or two in the big 10 tournament. I don't think this team's going to run away with it. They need to make sure they take care of business in the non-conference, avoid the bad loss, try to pick up one, one or two good ones. Um, basically all the things that last year's team couldn't do. Um, the women expect another NCAA tournament, but outside of the top four in the big 10, think those spots are kind of spoken for um but you know i think again they're in a similar spot we're placing a lot um you know with with grad transfers um and uh yeah i think i think they'll be in good shape to have a to have another strong season i've got a story up today uh on mlive.com slash wolverines about the two australians on the team it was fun to write about you know just because the some of their the things they eat the things they say are you know literally foreign to to many of their teammates so um and they'll be they'll be key pieces for for michigan this year so uh yeah that's sort of the basketball report we'll start getting into that more on this podcast as we go forward um i know uh zook you were you were busy covering football but hockey did play in madison right they weren't they weren't home this weekend uh uh, yeah how did that how did that series go with with the badgers not not great if uh, if you're a Michigan fan. I mean, they blew a blew a lead in the third period on uh, on Friday night and, and lost five to four, and then uh, gave up a goal in the last uh, final seconds and on Saturday to lose two to one. So uh, 
real tough uh tough break for for the wolverines and i mean you would like to go on the road and and split um that wasn't the case and and, and yeah they lost in really uh heartbreaking fashion both games and but i know pe if people haven't been following they're like oh wisconsin they were so they've been so bad the last couple of years there that's an embarrassing law or embarrassing sweep not the case this year they fired tony granado brought in mike hastings who i think is a phenomenal coach and he has these badgers off to a nine to one start now and four and oh in the big 10 so this this wisconsin team's legit this year um so it's all right yeah you play you can at least hang your hat on on you went on the road and played them tough but yeah the the two losses definitely hurt as far as the standings and, and the pairwise go for for later on in the year yeah it's getting to be that time of year where, where the uh the recaps of various games will get get crowded here on this podcast but the focus is still football because you got an undefeated team chasing a national championship uh, embroiled in the scandal yeah. and all the good games coming up. So we will have coverage of all of that on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.